when Pastor Tim asked me to speak, I want to say about a couple of months ago, um, I was honored, first of all. Um, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor um, to speak as well. Um, it's something that's been on my heart, you know, even before Pastor Tim had asked me to, um, to speak, um, just because I enjoy being a father. You know, I have four kids by a beautiful wife. Um, if, if it wasn't because of them, um, I wouldn't know pretty much what fatherhood was like. Um, but this morning, we're going to continue in the Beatitudes um, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. But, be, but before I get there, I want to read something um, to you guys by a lady named Amy Dockery. Um, and it goes like this. It says, my dad, like so many other faithful pastors, past and present, had, had to share, had his share of holding other people's children in his arms. Yet I knew that the space on his broad shoulders was reserved only for me. My dad's shoulders represented a place of total acceptance and complete security for me. I took great joy in every invitation my father gave me to be drawn up on, up, up high into his world. Sometimes he galloped while I giggled uncontrollably. At other times, I covered my eyes and he would pretend to trip and run into things as I laugh and exalted in my power to trigger such a playful antic. I love being on my, on my dad's shoulders. In fact, I don't remember ever asking to come down. The loftiness of my position changed my perspective of my surroundings. I felt that I can see for miles and I thoroughly enjoyed having to duck under the doors. Every problem that I Every problem that looked so large to me was suddenly reduced to nothing. That moment, Daddy lifted me on his shoulders. In one swift movement, my father could scoop me up from the place where I was being tripped over and ignored. He had a father's gift for making himself into a platform of power to restore my confidence calm my fears, transform the way I viewed my world. He still possesses the power, although I am grown, I'm a grown woman with a godly husband and children of my own. See, I like to point out in this very passage that she wrote, she said, every problem that looked so large to me was suddenly reduced to nothing. The moment my daddy lifted me up on his shoulders, and I like to put it this way. The moment we begin to see from the position that we are placed in, in Christ, everything that seems so large begins to shrink. Why is that important? Or why is our position so important? Because it changes our approach to God. If you want to start with me in verse 8, it says this. Therefore, do not be like them. Who are them? 
the Pharisees, the hypocrites. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. See, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, he calls them. He said, these are the ones that like to be seen by men. These are the ones that like to stand on the corner and in the synagogues and, 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 and offer these prayers, these long, lengthy prayers to God. He says, don't be like them. But in that small nugget, I think in, it's in, in verse uh, 7, he says, but you, it says, go into your room, close the door, and your father who sees in secret will begin to reward you. See, we don't have to offer prayers of, Father, you know, God, if you do this for me, then I will do this. My kids don't have to say, Dad, if you let me do this, then that will, if you let me speak to you, then I will do this. My kids don't have to say this. We as his children don't have to offer up lengthy prayers in order for God to hear us. They don't have to be perfect prayers. But also notice um, uh, also in the Gospels where, where people were saying, like, this Jesus is different. He's not like the Pharisees. When he speaks, when he prays, there is power. And that's very significant. Hold on to that. In verse 9, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Very significant. Today I have three points. And we're going to use the acronym of DAD. We're going to use the acronym of DAD. The first point in the word, the first D in DAD is for deer. Not like the deer that we see in the woods, but the deer as in writing the letter. Why did I put that? Well, when we use the word deer, it's a salutation of a letter as an expression of affection or respect or as a conventional greeting. In verse 9, it says, our Father which art in heaven. See, when we use the word dear, it's a sign of affection. When we approach God, this should be our conventional way of, of speaking to him. It's no longer us approaching God just as God, but as our father, as our daddy. It takes on a whole new meaning when we begin to approach God as daddy, as father. The word says in Romans 8, 15 and 16, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. By, we're, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That when we have the Spirit of God inside of us, 
We don't have to approach God as just God. We, we approach him as daddy, as father. There's no restrictions between us and God if we are his children. No restrictions. At any time of any day, we're able to be, that we're able to approach God. See, my experience with God was kind of tainted and twisted. I didn't have this type of relationship with my father. I didn't feel like I could approach him at any time. He was never there. So when I began to view God as my father, it was like, how do I approach God? Do I have to have everything right? If I fail, can I approach God and will he accept me still? And he had to show me, listen, you're my child. I went into his word. He says, you have my spirit on the inside of you. You belong to me. You're no longer an orphan, but that you're placed within a family. That the word says that we're accepted in the beloved. That we're accepted, that we're, that we're a part of a family, that we're not alone, that we're not doing this by ourselves, that he's with us wherever we go. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name. Well, this word right comes from the Greek word Exousia. What does that mean? It means the power as in entrusted. For example, that you've been commissioned, you have authority, right, and full power. That we have all authority to say, God is my father. We have all right and authority to say, my God will take care of everything that I need in life. My father will be there. My father is here. He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. That we have that right when we come before God in prayer. Not hoping that he will hear me, but knowing that he will hear me. Not hoping that he will take care of me. Remember that word father also is a protector and a provider. That God will protect and he will provide for us. That we as fathers, yes, we're seen as that. But it's more than that. For me, with my kids, it's more than just me having a job and providing finances for my home. It's me spending time and playing mancala and goldfish with my kids. It's me telling them how much I love them and praying for them. It's me when I'm in my room and I'm praying and the kids are hearing me or I'm praying in the living room and I'm raising my hands in worship at the table, allowing my kids to see that. Because I'm imprinting, I'm, I'm imprinting something in their mind that daddy loves Jesus and my father's there. I want to give them that 
that, that framework where as they're serving God, we have a job as fathers. We have that job. This morning I was laying in my bed, me and my wife still, you know, we're kind of in and out sleep. And all of a sudden, the door just popped open. And it's my daughter, Mariah. First was my son. He came to our bathroom to get something. And then next thing you know, he closed the door, and then my daughter, Mariah, popped in. And she came and laid on the bed. See, she didn't have to ask if it was right. As my daughter, as my child, she just opened the door. She came right on in and laid in the bed. See, that's how we have to approach God. There's no barriers. He's given us the keys to the kingdom. We can open, open the door, unlock the door, and come right in. We have that right. We have that authority. We don't have to struggle with that anymore. The second point in the word dad, the letter A, means approachable. Approachable. That God wants us to approach him. See, like I said before, I didn't feel like I was able to approach my dad. There were some things that happened growing up that made me afraid of my father. But God healed that relationship, so much so over eight years ago, I gave him one of my kidneys. And we talk almost every day. And God is doing a work in his life. And my prayer as I begin to give him that kidney is that he will have a relationship with God himself. That God will preserve him and that the latter years of his life will be greater than the former years. In verse 9, it says, hallowed be thy name. We have a dad that's approachable. When we think of the word hollow, we know it means holy. But this doesn't mean that we can't approach him. It's quite the opposite. It means that he is morally set apart, meaning he's not like us. Sometimes as fathers, we fall short. We make mistakes. when I did. Sometimes we don't keep our promises. We can't because different things that happen. But what does this mean? It says, it means this, meaning that he, meaning that it's against his nature to not be approachable by us, his children. This is against God's very nature for us not to be able to approach him. This is what he died for. This is where, I, this is why he gave his son for us. So that we can be able to approach him. That it's against his nature. I know the enemy comes in and says, well, you've done this. You can't do that. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I was talking to one of my old um, 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 patients at my job, and she called like at 4 o'clock in the morning just crying. If you don't know where I work at, I work at a um, rehab facility for youth. And she called crying. She was like... I'm, I can't take this anymore. I'm done with this. 
I'm done with this. I want to end it all. She wanted to commit suicide. So as I got on, on, on the phone with her, I began to minister to her because once she's outside of my facility, all bets are off. So I began to talk to her about the love of Christ, the love of a father. And she told me something that I had to say, no, that's not correct. She said her father before had told her that the reason why we have mommies and daddies is because God can't take care of all of his children. I said, that's a lie. I said, that's a lie. I said, the Bible says something completely different. It says this. It says in Isaiah 49, 15, and 16, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. I see, see, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. We are ever, we are forever inscribed. We are forever cared for. We are forever before God. That we are not forgotten. That God sees us. That God sees us. That God knows us. In Psalms 27, it says, though my mother and father forsake me, it says, you will take care of me. And that was a struggle for me, too, as well. But it was about, I want to say, 2003. I was in the grad school of, of campus ministry where I was taking classes at, um, at Fuller and, um, 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 and Wagner Institution. And we had a speaker come in. His name was Dr. Kraft, who went on, you know, um, a couple years ago, he had passed away. And he was known for taking the students and people through this um, deliverance session, you know, breaking bondages and things off of people. And at that time, I was being discipled by a pastor named Pastor Brett Holman. So he had asked, you know, me, he was like, so are, when are you guys going to, you know, do that? I, I said, yeah. I said, um, I was going to do it. He said, okay. He said, well, I'll be there. Didn't think nothing of it. So I went back to class that afternoon, and it was my turn to go up. And, it, you know, we were all in a circle, a bunch of us, and he was in a circle, and I was in the middle of the circle. He was there. And before he began to pray for me, I looked at the corner of my eye, and I saw Pastor Brett home in there. And for me, that was very significant because I went through life a lot of broken promises. And when he stepped in and he told me that he was going to be there, and he honored his word, God did something in me. See, me talking to my former patient, and that happened to my life. We are called to be not only fathers to our own kids, but kids that are not of our home. This is our mandate. This is our God-given mandate. And I take that on with full pleasure. 
when I see these kids at my facility, young girls, young boys who grew up without a father, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And part of me just wishes I can gather all them in. I can love them and encourage them and show them affection. I commend Jason and Sarah and, and, and um, the branches and how they're gathering children in from neighborhoods, how they're loving these young men and these young girls. That's what we're called to do outside of our home. When we see these young girls and these young boys and others who are, whose fathers are not there, who are, who are not present, we need to begin to pray for them. We need to begin to pray for them, and if it's possible, for us to show them God the Father through our own personal life, taking them in. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have other men in my life who were willing to father me. I wouldn't know what a father was supposed to be like unless God provided those opportunities in those people in my life. We have a generation that's looking for fathers. There's a lack of father in the churches. A lot of times there were mothers just leading their kids and their fathers just sitting at home. We have to lead the charge. We have to lead that charge. We have to let our kids know, yes, I love God with all of my heart. And I'm going to love you the, the same exact way because I want you to experience and know the love of a father. And the last D is doubt. It's weird. Doubt. Is it us doubting God? Quite the opposite. But we have a father that has defeated doubt. And we have the authority through our father to defeat doubt. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus said in Matthew 3, 2, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? That Jesus was letting people see, okay, what the kingdom of God is like, what the king's domain was like. He was allowing them to see that firsthand. Why? Because Jesus the king was coming with his domain here upon earth. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was the approach. This was the approach. See, 
The Bible also says in Hebrews chapter 12 that we have not received a kingdom that can be shaken. There's an unshakable kingdom that we have because of Christ. When the moment of doubt comes, when doubt, when, when, when that happens or, 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 or when fear, anything that would try to separate you from God, you're part of a kingdom. You have the kingdom of God on the inside of you that says no. Mm, that's not what the word says. You must leave. Because my God said he would never leave me nor forsake me. The Bible says that he's placed the lonely in families. The Bible says that he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. The word also says that I can be snatched from out of his hand. The word says that I'm inscribed on the palm of his hand. Sometimes when you're in prayer, you're like, Lord, are you really listening? The word says that, that the prayers of the saints, when they go up before God, that he keeps them in a bottle, that they're ever before him. The Bible says that when you cry out, I will hear you. That when we cry out to God, that he will hear us. We don't have to go in prayer, you know, in doubt if God is listening or if God is hearing us, if our prayers will go above the ceiling. They don't need to go above the ceiling because God is present with you. He's right in that room with you. There were... <clears throat> There's been some other kids um, at my job where it was one in particular too as well where it was their last night it was their last day there with me and I was taking the kids down for uh, for breakfast at seven o'clock in the morning and I, and I sit in the back so I can observe you know the rest of the kids so this particular one came and sat back in the table with me I said everything okay they were like yeah she was like yeah. I said, why aren't you sitting out, you know, with the rest of them? So she didn't say anything, and she sat there. I said, okay. She began to eat, eat her food. Like I was eating like a banana or apple or something. And I was like, everything okay? And she said, she says, I want to know what it feels like to have breakfast with my father. And my heart broke. And my heart broke. And there were other words. When they call back, they're like, Papa, how are you doing? Thank you. One in particular, she got engaged. And she kept telling her, her fiance, I have to get back there to see my dad. I have to get back there. And when she came back, I heard the buzzer ringing. You know, I'm like, who was this? She was like, it's Annabu. I said, who? I mean, I was just playing with her. And she was like, it's me. And when she opened, I opened the gate, you know, buzzed her in. And she ran in there and gave me a hug and started, began to squeeze me. 
And her fiance said, I, her fiance said, I can see why she wanted to come back. Why do I share these stories? Because we have a generation that's looking for that. Yes, I take pride in my own kids. I love my kids. I pray for my kids. I hug them. I kiss them. I tell them that they're great. I'm so honored to be their father. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just stop there. There's kids outside who need this. Some of us, too, as well, we know that experience by having others come and pour into our lives. Mentors, father figures. This is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. Amory Dockery had shared this in, in that same story. She said he had a father's gift for making himself into a platform of power to restore my confidence, calm my fears, transform the way I viewed my world. We as fathers have our responsibility. We as fathers, when our kids see this, or when others see this, that we have the power to be able to calm their fears, to change their world. I love that. I take honor in that. And I pray that we would all begin to take on that mandate of being fathers to the next generation. And if you want to go out, um, go on down the list of the Beatitudes and the Father's Prayer, those are simply how we should be responding now that we're in right relationship to the Father. To be able to show forgiveness when they're doing wrong. To show that love when they make a mistake. Providing for them in spite of the things that they've done. We have that approach. We have that mandate. Let's take hold of that. Amen. Let us pray. Father, I thank you right now, Lord. I thank you, Father, of who you are, Lord. I thank you, Father, of the very things that you've done for us, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for being a father to us, Lord God, and you took us in, Lord. In spite of all of our mistakes, in spite of our shortcomings, you said um, uh, even before we've done anything, Lord God, you first loved us, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, for loving us, Lord. And I pray that we will begin to show that to our kids as well as other kids in the neighborhood, in the community, in every place that we go, Lord. Give us your heart, Lord God. Give us the Father's heart to be fathers. And I'm praying, Lord God, that you would do a work within us, Lord. I'm praying that you, begin, that you would continue to give us grace that we need 
to take on this mandate, Lord, and this love as fathers. In Jesus' name, amen.